0: Um, I moved to Eastern Florida just uh, three years ago, right before COVID. What a time to to move here. Um, and I've been uh, preaching at the O'Galley Church of Christ uh, since then. Um, and, and I've noticed, like uh, kind of what you said, that we're kind of spaced out here. So I, I haven't met as many people as I would like. We've kind of been able, because of COVID and because of how spaced out we are, just stayed in our little. Areas And so I love this opportunity. I think this is a great thing for us that we can learn and grow and stir up one another, encourage one another to be better. And so I really appreciate Mike for, um, and everyone else for putting this on. Um, the topic that I was given is, is the first thing mentioned in that verse, which is be watchful, or some translations say be alert. And it was something that the Corinthians were failing to do. Uh, on many, many levels, and, and you 'll see that in second Corinthians they they fail, they keep failing to do it because they were false teachers that moved into the church and they were uh, talking about various things and, and making false doctrine and promoting themselves, and so they were not watchful, they were not alert. I want to look at the following questions in, in our in our talk in the few minutes I have this morning. Uh, Just a short time of what it means to be watchful and alert. And then what should we be watchful or alert for? How can we do this if this isn't something that we should do? If you notice on the the handouts, I have just a brief outline for you. And I, I put the definitions of alert and watchfulness on there. Alert means quick to notice any unusual or potential dangerous or difficult circumstances. It's being vigilant. While the, being watchful is observing someone or something closely. I really like the watchfulness as a description because then my mind kind of has more of a descriptive element to it. I'm watchful, I'm looking, I'm intensely looking at something, I'm looking out for something. While alert, I feel like, has the intensity of which we should be feeling. We're alert, we're on high alert, we even say sometimes. We are ready at, for anything. And I think one of the, the best, I, I kind of looked and, and I looked uh, through, for this word throughout the New Testament. And, and I looked at, at Matthew uh, 24 as an example of this. It says, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake, would not have made his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready or alert or watchful. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. You know, Jesus is saying there, be alert, and he gives this this uh, illustration of, okay, I, I I know a thief's coming to my house, or you know, if, if you knew the mob was coming to your house, how watchful, how alert would you? You'd be ready, you'd be prepared. I think that's part of it too. You would you would look at it, you'd be on the lookout. How vigilant would you be to protect not only yourself but your families, your communities, the people you're around? And I think this is what Paul is trying to get at. Be watchful, be alert, because if you're not, it means destruction for those for yourself and those that you love. So and what I want to spend most of my time on is what should we be watchful or alert about? What should we look out for? I want to suggest three things. The first is sin. The enemy without. The enemy that is so tr- uh, quickly trying to get us. And, and I think we're very familiar with this passage. But I want to look at 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. Uh, starting in verse 8. Be sober minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Resist him firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. What is the enemy of being watchful? What causes us not to be alert or watchful? Complacency? Yeah. Yeah. Distractions, excellent. You could be alert for that lion one day, two days, a week, two weeks. How about a month? How about two months? How about a year? How alert are you then? How watchful are you at then? Boredom, distractions, complacency, just the ongoingness of time. The things in our life, the, the things that we fill ourself, our lives with, not even bad things, maybe good things, they distract us from being on alert. I, I heard a story. Uh, uh, they, these um, explorers were, were looking at lions, and they were um, observing a water hole, and they were observing what they do. And many times, one of their tactics for hunting is they would go to this water hole, and all these animals would come in, you know, zebras and giraffes and wildebeest, and, you know, everything would come in and drink from the water hole. And then lions would roar really loud. And so everyone scatters. They scatter because it's a danger. They're alert. So they go, and and they scatter, and then they, you know, slowly come back. They still kind of keep their heads up. And they roar again, and then they scatter again, but not quite as far as before. And then they would come back, and then they would roar again. And the animals would just kind of lift up their head. And then they know the lion's got them. And so they silently go and pick up their prey and get them. Because all the lion needed was just a few seconds where the animals are not alert. They're not watching for danger. They've been desensitized from the present danger, and they got them. I think this is literally what uh, uh, this is what literally this is talking about. Be watchful because this is how the lion gets us. This is how the devil gets us. It slowly desensitizes you. It's not you think of uh, this is how the the, uh, Satan got Eve in the first place. He said, watch out for evil. And it was just, you know, the snake that says, you know, you don't, you know, God really, you know, he said to to. Not eat any tree of the garden. No, no. He, you know, is that really what he wants? It desensitizes you slowly, by slowly. This is how the world is slowly desensitizing us, and you know what we thought was the line. It moves slowly, slowly, slowly until it is far uh, more than what we expected. This is what Peter will get to in Second Peter, chapter three, as well. What he says in the last days, scoffers will turn from God and follow their own desires because they will say everything is just going as it always has been. Today was just like yesterday. I went to work. I got up. I uh, spent time with my kids. I took them to school. I went home, watched television. And every day is like the same as the last. Where is God? Where is his judgment? It says in the last days, they will turn away. From God and follow their own desires because they no longer remain alert. We have to be alert and ready and watching how the devil tries to get us. I think one of the areas um, that especially we need to be alert in is addictions. Uh, we're talking to men, uh, and I, I, on the handout, I actually put this graphic in there. It's the, the circle Um no temptation has overcome us, overtaken you that is not common to man. We, the same kinds of stuff gets us that has always got us before. It's the same kind of stuff. Um, if you don't know, I'm actually uh, also a registered mental health counselor for the state of Florida. Uh, I, I practice mental health counseling and, and therapy um, for uh, usually a day or two days out of, out of the week. I see a whole host of clients from a whole dozen. Sort of set. Um, I see depression, anxiety, um, a lot of addiction too. And addiction, I think, when you think of addiction, what do you think of, you know, alcohol and drugs. It's way more than that. If you look at the the, the cycle I got from you, you can you can see at the t- the top I believe where it says um, where it says negative emotion. We all have negative emotions. Um, what are some of the negative emotions that you have? Sadness. Sadness. Uh-huh. Discouragement anger. Discouragement, anger, depression. 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 Guilt, fear. Guilt, fear, anxiety, loneliness. These are the, these are deep negative emotions that we feel every single day. And so there's just the a desire to, to not have that, that negative emotion. I mean, who wants to sit with those negative emotions? Like, no one does. When you feel really lonely, do you just want to stay there? Or when you feel really depressed or really anxious, do you just want to stay there? No, you, you want to get out. And so there's this desire to, to not have those negative emotions. So what's a quick way out? Addiction. And addiction is not just alcohol, though that certainly applies. What else is it? Video games. Video games. What was that? Pornography, Pornography drugs, cutting, eating uh, disorders, eating too much or, or eating too little. All these kinds of things. Really, anything that you use. That's a substance or something that causes a a, chemical imbal- a a chemical reaction in your brain that gets away from those negative emotions. And this is something that is not productive. That is an addiction. If you're using something to mask your negative emotion, it does not help you become a healthier, better person, and it actually works against the life goals that you have. It's an addiction. And it may not be the typical things that we think about, pornography and, uh, and, and drugs and alcohol and those kinds of things. But it can be addiction. Work can be an addiction. Certain relationships can be an addiction. And we have to be alert. And I'm telling you, pornography is rampant. And I don't think I have to tell you that. Every single male client, adolescent client I've had has had a pornography addiction. Every single one. <laughs> I've, I've been seeing them for over two years now. It is rampant. I think it's 80% of male adolescents have some kind of pornography addiction. Almost 100% have been exposed to it at some point in their lives. And, and, uh, and I know this is with men, but you have daughters. Women are increasingly catching up to men. It's becoming rampant. Because they're trying to escape from the... The, the negative emotions of their life, the depression, anxiety, the generation now uh, coming up as higher levels of depression, anxiety than ever before. And they're finding, want some escape. So they turn to their addiction of choice, whatever it is. But it doesn't really help. Because not only when that drug wears off, the alcohol wears off, when you get off the video game, when, you know, whatever, you come home from work, Are those problems still there? That negative emotion still there? Yeah, they're still there. And then on top of that, you have all these great feelings like guilt and shame and the negative consequences of participating in that addiction. And so it's a cycle. And it just comes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And then you find yourself in a hole. And you've isolated yourself from everyone around you. You've never made anything of yourself. Because all your time and energy is going to get rid of these negative emotions. And that is so much of where our society, especially men, are at. How do you get out of that? How do you get out of that cycle that Satan would just love for you to get in? And and, and let me just say, a lot of these men, these these boys that I see, a lot of it is... is is. It's because they've been put in rough situations to begin with. Their, their fathers were not fathers to them or not even around or abusive to them. That's a huge part of it. Dude, if you want to cure America of a lot of stuff, be a father. If fathers were, were the kind of people they should be to their men, we would have less people in prison because by far the people in prison are fatherless. You want to cure mental health uh, problems? Be a father to your sons. And there's new research that is coming out too. Um, If you want to stop homosexuality, be a father. Every, almost 90% of homosexual boys did not have men who were uh, fathers who were loving, caring fathers to them. 70% Seventy percent of male homosexuals were abused at some point in their life, sexually abused. You want to change society? Be a father. You'll stop a lot of this stuff. How do how do we get out of this? How do we, if you're in this situation right now? How do you get out of this? I, I think a lot of of what we can do is, is right here in, in First Peter. Um. It says in, in verse 5, it says, First uh, Peter chapter 5, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves with all of you with humility uh, towards one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties upon him, because he cares. And then he says, be watchful. Be sober-minded, your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion. Surround yourself with people that will help. Surround yourself. That's the way it talks about with the elders. That elders play a very important role in in our church, in our community. They're the ones that give insight. They're the ones that bend down that road and see what the devil does to people's lives. They can see where you're heading. Surround yourself with good, godly people. I think one of the best things you could do is surround yourself with people that are more mature than you, where you people that are spiritually at the place that you want to get to. I, I've kind of discovered this in my own life. Surround yourself with people who you only understand about 80% of what they're saying. Because you understand most of it. But you don't understand quite what they're talking about the other. I, I've kind of went through this. Uh, uh, you, know, you mentioned Jordan Peterson. I only understand about 80-85% of what he's saying. Because he's like, he, I'm not quite there yet. I don't think like him. I, I don't understand the world as him. There's, there's a certain men that I really respect that I, I just don't see the world like they do yet. With the love and compassion and Christ-likeness. And so like, I, I'm not there yet. But if you spend time with them, you will. And eventually you will get to that place. We need to have a community together. I've seen, uh, and it's particularly men, I think we're terrible at this. I, I saw a, a comedian on a late night talk, host, um, talk show that, that asked the host, do you have any friends? And he said, well, yeah. He says, no, you don't. Your wife has friends, and you're friends with their husbands. <laughs> <laughs> And He's like that's that's absolutely true. We we are terrible at building communities as men. We like to be independent people, but we we can't. We'll fall. The lion is going to pick us up, pick us off one by one. We need people that will. Uh, we need to be have a community to help one another. What he also says is humble yourself under God. You can't be living for yourself. If you want to get out of this addiction rut in your life, you, you have to serve something greater than yourself. I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. But you have to humble yourself under God. There's a reason why in AA programs, 12-step programs, there has, there's a higher power element. To people who don't even, not even Christians, they understand that you have to have something bigger than yourself to aspire yourself to to get out of the addiction, to get out of sin in your life. And then he says resist him firm in your faith. You have to be firm in your faith. You have to grow that aspect of your life. If you're trying to get out of your sin, whatever that may be, your your addiction in your life, whatever that may be, and you're not growing your faith, you have no hope. You have to not just say don't do this, but also do all of this. You have to fill your life. Otherwise you're going to have absence. And then I would also say that we have to pray. We want to be watchful and alert in our lives. We have to pray. There's several times Colossians 4:2 says continue steadfastly in prayer being watchful in it with thanksgiving. And Ephesians 6:18 praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end keep alert with all perseverance make a supplication for all the saints. Paul multiple times this is just two says how are you to be watchful how are you to be alert it's through prayer. When you pray and you have that time with God and you go over whatever is going on in your life, when you do that, it helps you be alert. It helps you be watchful. We've been we've been talking. Uh, we have uh, been we have an evangelism class on Wednesday nights that we've been kind of trying to help each other be more evangelistic. I, I think one of the best things that you can do is pray, because not only will God help you, and it doesn't matter what you do if God's not there with you. But it helps you be more conscious of the opportunities that you have. Because so often do I, you know, I had a wonderful opportunity. I just wasn't thinking that way. But if you're constantly praying for opportunities, it will help you look for those opportunities. And I think that's the same way with prayer. How often did David say, leave me not into temptation. You know, keep my heart clean. Look at my heart. See if there's any waywardness about me. He was constantly praying to God. Keep me alert. I would also say in this section, how do we get out of this? Addiction, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The opposite of addiction is community and intimacy and purpose. Addiction is an artificial substitute for intimacy and purpose. You want to cure addiction in the world? Find intimacy and purpose. You want to cure sin in the world, for the most part, where it's not a continual thing in your life, I'm not saying you're going to be perfect. Find intimacy and purpose. Those are the things that will drive you. You'll, you'll, you'll basically cure depression if that's the case. You need people, and you need purpose. Purpose, um, the equation for it is, is your strength, whatever you're good at, plus whatever you value, working to a higher goal. Your strength plus what you value. And we should all be good on the values. What we value is God and His church and His kingdom, each other. And anything, whatever your strengths are, to encourage that, to grow God's kingdom, to make this world of, of, uh, bring heaven um, to earth, I think is a great thing that you can do. It will give you purpose and meaning in your life. So watch out for sin. I think we, we also need to watch out for is false teachers. I wouldn't think about this one at first, but it's literally everywhere. Um, in Acts chapter 20, when, when Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders uh, giving kind of his last words to them before he goes to Jerusalem and knows he's going to be arrested, he says, uh, Pay very careful attention to yourselves, to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers and care for the church of God, which obtained with his own blood. I know after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock, from uh, and from among among yourselves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering remember that for three years I did not cease day or night to admonish every one of you with tears. He says, false teachers will arise to speak twisted things. He, he warns this all over the place in Romans 16, verse 17 and 18. He says, I appeal to you, bl- brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create... Obstacles contrary to the doctrine in which you've been taught, avoid them. For such persons do not serve the Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. Ephesians 4 says something very similar to that as well. Every New Testament um, letter talks about false teaching, except for Philippine, or Philemon. Every single one. Why do you think that is? Because it's important. <laughs> because there's always false teachers. There's always people uh, willing to, uh, for their own personal gain or just being deceived by, by Satan, willing to lure other people from the gospel and from God. We need to be alert and ready. And how we do that is we, we know the truth. That's what Ephesians 4 talks about. Is He talks about everything that God has given us. Um, that he, he's given us uh, these evangelists and prophets and apostles and teachers and, and, and all of these uh, people. Why? To equip us. So that we may not be tossed to and fro like children on the sea. We can stand up to such doctrine. Be watchful alert. A quarter of the people who grew up Christian no longer identify as Christian. It would say that there is more who identifies a Christian but not picked up the Bible or prayed for, uh, prayed or been to church for years. So over a quarter of those people that grew up in church no longer say they're Christians, and I would say that number is even bigger. If you take away the people that are just Christians in name only, like they haven't been to church for months or years, they, haven't, they have no relationship with God. Be alert. False teachers are alive and well today. They may, may not be the person standing up the pulpit. Um, as I, that's kind of the perception that I've always had is like, okay, look out for someone in the pulpit that you know sp- speaks false doctrine. That's certainly true. But now the false teachers are in every part of society. They're whispering to us bad things, untrue things, false doctrines, false teachings everywhere, untrue things. They're in TV, they're online, they're everywhere. And our young people are listening to them. If you're not contradicting that that message... With the truth. If you're not grounding your kids and your grandkids and yourselves in the truth, they will be led astray. And really that's the word that's the answer. He says to them, Be in the world the word. He says that in Acts, he says that in Ephesians, he says that in many other places. Be in the word. Be firm in your faith. Stay alert. Watch out for sin. Watch out for false teachers. And then it's our duty to watch out for the lost. I think we have a duty to look out for our fellow Christians who may be going towards that way. Galatians 6, verse 1-2 says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you be too tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Notice what he says. He says, he doesn't say if you're an elder or you're a preacher, you go and, and you know, tell your brother his fault, try to restore him. He says, you who are spiritual. But if you're a Christian, you should be spiritual. And so we, every one of us has a duty to look out for our brother. For a sister in Christ to, to try to see if you have a relationship with them. That's kind of beginning. You have to have a relationship with them to know that they're erring. And then have a duty to say, no, uh, to say it's my responsibility. Not, okay, the elders will take care of it, the preacher will take care of it, the deacons will take care of No, it's my responsibility to look out for the duty for the potential Christian who is going to be lost. And I think also, as, as men, we got to look out for our families. I think we have that duty as well. It, it's, a, it's becoming an increasingly hard world. Um, I, I personally think that we've been blessed with how Christian society has been, really, the last couple hundred years. That's, that's not the norm. If you look at the history of the world, that is not the norm. I think we're going back towards that which will survive and we'll get through it because god is not in numbers he's and the strength is not in numbers it's in god but we need to look out for our families for our sons for our daughters for our grandsons our granddaughters because they're going to a world a world that is different from you know what many of us experience and you know i'm Sure, like even farther back. If you grew up, uh, if you're a little older, even more than what you experienced, it's different. Um, one of my—I—I I, I don't want to be crude or crass, but I just want you to know what, especially men, are facing in, in these schools. Uh, one of a couple of my clients have told me about this, where um, they call them Glizzies, and. If you are, you're not allowed to eat a hot dog or a banana anymore in in schools, in some schools. Because if you are, you're gay. And you'll be beat up and you'll be bullied. That's what's facing our young men. That, it's just terrible. And I've seen, Videos of people that are um, that are trying to get onto their younger brothers, seven, six year old, because they they know what's going to wait for them. Six year old, seven year olds don't even know, should not even know what is going on. <laughs> but that's the world that they're going into, and we need to be careful. We need to watch out for our families. We need to be stealing truth. We need to be the light of the world in in a dark place. And I think we can really shine out. But I think we have a duty to the world. Light shines shines brighter in the darkness. And as society gets more and more corrupt, we will shine even brighter. I want to look at Ezekiel 33. Ezekiel 33. starting in verse 1, Ezekiel 33, starting in verse 1. The word of the Lord came to me, son of man, speak to your people and say to them, if I bring the sword upon the land and the people of the land take a man from among them and make them their watchmen, and if he sees the sword coming upon the land and blows the trumpet and warns the people, then if anyone who hears the sound of the trumpet does not take warning, the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet and did not take the warning. His blood shall be on himself. But if he had taken warning, he should have saved himself. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet so that the people are not warned, and the sword comes and takes any one of them, the person is taken away in his iniquity. But his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I have made a watchman for the house of Israel. Whenever I hear a word from my mouth, you shall give it to them, warning from me. If I say to the wicked, a wicked one, you shall surely die. And you do not speak to warn the wicked to turn away from his way. That wicked person shall die on his iniquity, but his blood I will acquire at your hands. But if you warn the wicked to turn away from his way, and he does not turn his way, that person shall die on his iniquity, but you will have delivered your soul. He tells Ezekiel, he gives the illustration of a watchman. You know, they had cities and they had walls and they had towers in which you know, the watchman could see out. And what is he looking for? He's looking for danger. He's looking for approaching enemies. And if he sees an approaching enemy and he gives no warning whatsoever, the people die, but the blood will be on the watchman's hands. And he says to Ezekiel, you are that watchman. I am giving you warning. I am giving you the information that an enemy is coming, that because of the wickedness, the enemy is approaching. You need to be a watchman. You need to sound the alarm. And if you don't, their blood is on your hands. When I say speak, you speak. If you refuse to carry out the mission as the watchman of the world, God says he requires blood. That verse has always terrified me. Because we know the gospel. We know what is awaiting those who disobey God. And at least for me, I've been silent way too much. There's a song that sometimes we sing, You Never Mentioned Him to Me. Has my life been one that's watched out for the lost? I want to tell you a story and then I will end. It's a story that happened on the night the Titanic sunk. On the night that the Titanic sunk, there were said to be two ships, one of which was the California. As the Titanic was seeking, the lights of another ship could be seen. Historians believe it was the California. The captain denied it, but most now think that he just lied to save face. But the California had stopped for the night because he had heard news that there were icebergs in the area. The crew of the Titanic tried to signal the ship through wireless Morse code, blinking lights, rocket flares, and the Californian did not receive the radio messages because the radio had been turned off for the night. The Titanic sent up eight white rockets. And the crew of the California reported seeing eight white rockets. And three times the crew reported these rockets to the captain. But it was the middle of the night, and he was asleep. When the crew awoke him, he said the rockets were nothing. The crew wondered why a ship would send rockets in the middle of the night with no purpose. So the California sat idly while 1,500 people drowned. Could have easily rescued them, but its captain refused to see that there was a problem and didn't want to be bothered in the middle of night. There was another ship that night, the Carpathia. As the Titanic ship sank, her radio op- operators tried to find another ship. After much ser- searching, they found the Carpathia, a small British ship 58 miles away. They sent out a message, SOS, SOS, come at once, we've struck a berg." The crew at once awoke the captain from a sound sleep. When the captain heard the message, he said to tell them, At once, we are coming as fast as we can. He gave every order he could think of to prepare a rescue mission. Lifeboats were swung into place. Lights were placed along the edge of the ship. Slings and straps were made ready to hoist boats and injured people. The captain ordered full speed ahead, but the top speed of the Carpathia was only 14 knots. At that speed, it would take four hours to reach the Titanic. The captain said it was not good enough. He ordered all off-duty smokers to the boil room to get every ounce of steam out of the engine. Heat and hot water were turned off throughout the ship. All power was to the engine. From its top speed of 14 knots, the Carpathia increased to 15 knots, 16 knots, to 17 knots, three knots faster than its top speed to rescue the perishing. The captain ordered extra lookouts because he was going three knots faster than its top speed in an area that was known to have icebergs. To rescue a ship that had already struck one, the captain told the stewards the plight of the Titanic and ordered every man to his post to their duty as true Englishmen. To utter- and uttered a silent prayer. Fifteen hundred people died that night because they were not able to get into lifeboats. But of those who were able to get to lifeboats, seven hundred people were rescued. All of them by the Carpathia. No other ship arrived at time. Which of these two ships represents you and your daily life in a world that is perishing? Let us do our duty as Christians. All around us, there are souls dying; they are drowning us in the ocean of sin and evil. And what are we doing to rescue the perishing? To look out for the drowning, we need to be alert. Don't let sin and temptation catch us unaware. Because the reality is, you won't just be lost. All the people that you would have an opportunity to save will also not have that opportunity. There is one less watchman warning the people of the danger that lies ahead. Be watchful. Be alert. Be like men. Thank you.